Good morning, everyone. Today, Bezrat Hashem will learn Daf Tesvav in Maseches Yavamos. Uh, no, not in Yavamos anymore. We're in Ksubas, guys. Uh, yeah. Now, we're going to start with the Mishnah on the bottom of Yadalad Amabez. Can we finish the parak? Let's see. It says the Mishnah, Amar Biosi, Maisa Betinokas, Yardalamalos, Maimina Ain, Venansa. Horrible situation. A young woman, a girl, she goes to get some water from the well and she is violated by an unknown man. What happens here now is unlike all the cases before. We're going to go into another word of, world of lambdas, everyone. In the previous cases, we had Bari Vishema, Rabbi Shuvam Gamliel, and how does that fit versus Chazaka? Very nice. Now we have a different thing. We don't know who the dude is at all. She doesn't have a narrative. The guy doesn't have a past. He's gone. Oh, so now it's just a question of Rove. A new, right, a new Lumdish topic, which is how do we determine statistically, right, how, how, who this father was? That's basically what's going to happen in this Gemara. So Amar Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, the Allah of Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri was, Im Rov Ansheir Messin the Kahuna, Harezu Tinasa the Kahuna. The concept of Rove, if most of the people in this city, Messin the Kahuna, as we would say, right, are kosher, right, so then, so that was the litmus test, right? We don't have to go through that each time. But the bottom line is, as we know, if, the, if they were, let's say, in the scene of Mamzer, somebody that was puzzle, then she would not be considered, you know, all, uh, albeit she was violated, right? This is not a situation where she did anything berutzon, right? She didn't um, uh, participate in anything intentionally, but that's not good enough to marry off to the kahuna. And so basically we launch into a topic of rove, basically how do we determine who is the father? I should note that we always rely on some degree of rove. There's always some degree of statistical speculation, uh, uh, for example, anytime you have a husband and wife that have a child, right? We rely on the rove that, uh, that, the father, that the husband is the father, right? We don't get into this every single time. That's just one example. But it's all over, right? Anytime you put something in your mouth and you, and you assume it's kosher. Uh, so maybe that's a edachot. But the point is, let's, let's stay within knowing who the father is. We, har- we, we, we don't know. We know we're not taking paternal te- paternity tests on every single case. So we do rely on rove. But in this particular case, where there's raglaim ladava, right? Where there's reason, reason, reason to not know, to doubt. So there we have different laws as we will now see in the Gemara. So I'm a lay letter of Nachman. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri de Amar Kaman, this idea that you're going with the rove on ear in order to determine whether she's, co- the, she's going to be kosher or not, who is he like? So, Ikin Rabbi Gamliel. So, now let's just try to superimpose this on Machlokas Rabbi Gamliel. So, he says now, Ikin Rabbi Gamliel, Afila Rove Psulin, Nami Machsher. And Ikin Rabbi Yeshua, Afila Rove Ksherim, Nami Psil. Which is to say, before we were saying that Rabbi Gamliel believes the woman in her narrative and Rabbi Yeshua does not. But really, another part of the Lumdish underpinning of that machlokas was this uh, conflict between chazaka versus rov. So take away the woman's narrative now. The woman had a chazaka. So according to Rabbi Gamliel, her chazaka that she was kosher was, would overpower the idea of rov. Such that if you had a woman that had a chazaka, so you, you would think that Rabbi Gamliel would say that even in this case of the, of the young girl that was violated by the well, you would say, well, we don't care who the rov is. She's kosher because she has a cheskas kashris, right? Because we have uh, her precedent to now was that she was kosher. That's the default. And therefore, the rove would not play into this. Whereas Rabbi Yeshua, who says that the chazaka is more important, 
and we said this before, we explained the lumdus yesterday, Barry, where we were saying how when you have a suffix, so if there was a sfex fake, or Rabbi Yeshua was willing to believe, right, that the woman was kosher. But if there was just one suffix, so that was going to overpower whatever narrative, whatever tiny she had. Uh, so here too, it should overpower the rov, says Rav Nachman, right? Rava, rather, says to Rav Nachman. Rava is saying that here too, there's a suffix, and therefore the suffix should over, uh, and therefore that should overpower even if there were rov kosher, according to Rabbi Yeshua. And conversely, uh, according to Rabbi Gamliel, right, so then the chazaka should overpower the rov. So rov should not matter, says the Gemara. To which Rav Nachman replies to Rava, Amalei, Hachi Amar Rabbi Yehuda Amar Rav. Let me tell you what Yehuda Amar Rav said. The following. Rashi over here says, the bottom Rashi on Yudalim Bez, he says, Le'olam Kirby Yeshua. That really we hold like Kirby Yeshua. The reason I'm reading this is because this isn't really going to be played out in the Gemara in front of us so much yet. But really we hold like Rabbi Yeshua and that we, the, there is no chazaka and that the rove is overpowering it because of a different reason. What's the reason, says Rashi? I'm reading inside in the bottom line over here. We'll see how that is in the Gemara. A double rove. Okay. And then he's going to say, it will come in the first time of Azal, Maishna Trey Rubi Michadrova. What is this Trey Rove? So we've, yesterday we talked about a Svek Sveka. Today we're going to talk about a Rove Rove. Right? I was actually, this is a true story. I was in Rev Herschel Schechter's Shear, and he always had a bunch of people that were not really in the Shear that would just kind of like hang around and ask questions. And so one guy said randomly, and they would say these non sequiturs, like these random facts. So he's in the middle of Shear, and some guy says, Do you know that there's, there's such a thing as a double. Negative, oh, when you say double negative, like this is not uncommon, that's like a positive. But there's no such thing as a double positive. So Rav Shechter said it, he often said in Shir, he said, yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> so um, that is this rove, right? It's the double positive. It's the opposite of the Svex Veka. It's this rove, rove. As we'll see what the story is as we finally arrive at Tesvav Amidalev. Bikronos shel tzipori So here the top Rashi in Tesvav Amidalev explains. Biyom hashuk shesios What's the deal there? Well, it's, it's an interesting statistical uh, thing. And I should say again, by way of introduction, statistics are always funny, right? Whenever someone says like a president has an approval rating. So we don't know the actual approval rating, right? We're not testing everybody. What's your perimeter? Who are you asking? And statistics and how you can play with it are always going to be funny. We're going to see. We're going to get into it very soon. We're about to d- deep dive into uh, Kavua versus, right, called the parish, Midruba parish. We're going to explain the Teisha Chanuyos. This is all the classic yeshivish cases. I mean, this is the heart of Shas, the heart of Ksubas when it comes to Rov. But before we do that, we should just say by way of introduction that statistics are funny. The whole idea of a double Rov, it sounds funny to us because that's not how we deal with it. But I should just caution you that even when we say, oh, there's a statistical probability X and Y, it's always, if you learn statistics, there's always like a method, a mechanism. But it's not reality, necessarily, right? It's just a methodology. So we'll see, Chazal's methodology may be different than the logic system we have. But it's, it's a defensible methodology nonetheless. So what's going on here? They're saying, when we say the Kronos the, uh, Tzipori, we're talking about the wagons. What's the wagons? Well, it's as follows. And we'll see soon. There's an emphasis over here when we determine a rove. There's an emphasis on that which is fixed versus that which is movable. So here they're saying, well, if most of the people in the city are going to be kosher, 
And then most of the people who are traveling into the city of Tsipori, right? Most of the travelers in and out or the people who are gathering in the city from outside are going to be kosher. That's a double rove. And somehow, as we'll see in the Gemara, that makes it more statistically likely that whereas even Rabbi Yeshua would make her kosher. That's what the Gemara is saying right now. So that's what we're going to be analyzing. Fine. And we're going to support it as follows, says the Gemara. On the top line, right? In a case where you had, right, a group of kosher pastor buyers, travelers, coming to the group of Tsipori, that's how you're going to add on this multiplicity of rov. And also, according to Rabbi Yana, if the woman was, what, cohabited on the wagons, she's kosher to the kahuna, right? Which is to say, she's, we assume that she's kosher. So wait a minute, what do you mean? Like she's having this uh, intercourse in the wagon, is that what we mean? No. Now we're not talking about where it's taking place, although we'll see, that might be significant in some cases. We're talking about that she had, right, this, she, she was with the man at the time that there was, right, a high season of visitors, and therefore, in that case, that extra level of rove, assuming all the visitors were coming in, most of them were considered kosher, so then it's a double rove, the rove of the city on top of the rove of the visitors. So somehow, had it just been her in the city, so then maybe that wouldn't be enough, or Bishu would say she's puzzled. But the fact that there's now more guests into the city, and there's a rove of them, somehow that would convince her to be sure that it's mutter. That's fascinating, and we're going to try to evaluate what that means. So, be that as it may, we're now going to qualify it and say as follows. Whereas Rashi explains, in other words, if you had only one rove of kashas, as we said, Rabbi Yeshua would still be machmir, that's what we mean when we say if the Vladish Suzuki, we shut him up if he starts t- talking about his paternal lineage, because if it was just one Tsipori guy, then it wouldn't be enough. That's what we we're just saying, that you need the two rove. Okay. So now, seven lines down, we're going to talk about how the double rove works as follows. When Rav Dimi came to Babel from Eretz Yisrael, he quoted some say that it wasn't Rav Dimi quoting Rav Zairi, but it was Rav Zairi himself speaking for himself as follows. He said like this. What did Rav Hanina say? Oh. So he said a different thing. He said that when it comes to Rav, we only follow the Rav of the existing city, but we don't follow the Rav of an incoming group of visitors. So says the Gemara, Klapi Lai, wait a minute. Who does he hold like, right? And not only that, it seems that that's counterintuitive because after all, as Rashi explains, uh, well, first I'll read the next two words. Oh, now Rashi's going to explain. The, the, the famous words that are now, right, yeshiva shiz, right, that are the, the underpinnings of any, right, lumdish conversation about rove are all found right here. Naidi, right, is movable, right? Something that's mobile, okay? Well, so we're talking about mobile versus fixed. Why is mobile versus fixed different? Because as Rashi says, kvi'i, over here, kol kavua kamechza mechza dami. Aha. And then later he's going to say, kol de parish midruba parish. So now I'll say it outside, and then we'll use this language 
uh, for the rest of the daf as follows. Again, the, what is considered mobile and what is considered fixed is in itself a major discussion. A human being is sometimes fixed and sometimes mobile. That's true. But let's set that aside for a second. Let's talk about fixed versus mobile, assuming we know which is which. So the way Chazal viewed it is as follows, guys. Mobile means that it's fluid, right? It's in and out. For that, we said, call the parsh, midruba parsh. We're going to go for statistical rov. Anything that's kind of like a group. Now, mind you, we do have a concept of bittel barov with kashras and other things, not just kashras. And that's a discussion itself. How much this applies to kola tarakula. But we have something bittel barov when you don't have a recognizable uh, independent components. But when you have recognizable independence of, ro- of components and you, there's no bittel, so now we're taking bittel out of it, now you have the following. If those independent components are all mobile, then we say we're just going to go with statistical probability. Uh-huh. But here's the kicker. If they're fixed, and we're going to see this in Teisha Chanuyos, clearly. If you have, let's say, fixed stores, and we're going to read that inside, right? When they're fixed then, uh, and, and they're not mobile, then we view kol kavua kamechza amechza dummy. The way to conceptualize this is as follows. When you look at each store individually, let's say, right, you don't remember which store you went into. When you look at each store, so each store could be, right, flip a coin. It's binary, right? It's either, uh, it, it either was or was not this store. So there's only two possibilities. It's a 50-50 chance for each individual store when it's fixed. So for whatever reason, right, and like I, that's why I gave the introduction, statistics can be manipulated in many different ways. So Chazal viewed fixed items as each item individually, 50-50. And therefore, when viewed as a conglomerate, watch what happens. You can have 20 different stores. If they're all each 50-50, then as a group, it's still 50-50, right? Because if each one is 50-50, so it's true that you have 20 stores here or nine or however many, and it's true that you put them all together, the prob- probability drops precipitously. But that's not how Chazal view it when it's fixed. Kol kavua dummy. So therefore, when it's fixed, we view it as each one 50-50, and it's just an aggregate of a bunch of 50-50s together to, gre- to create one big mechza kemechza, right? One big 50-50 on the whole. Oh, so that's what we're coming over here. So we're viewing the city as fixed. Now, again, we're not going to delve into the definition of how we determine fixed or movable yet, but we're viewing the city as fixed and the visitors as fluid. So watch this. With the visitors, we should be going based off of Rove because that is fluid and that we're going with statistical probability. Whereas in the city that we're viewing as fixed, it should be kemechza mechza, right? And we don't, we shouldn't go based on Rove. We should still be in a state of Suffolk. That's what it means over here when it says klape laya. Because after all, what did they say in the name of Hanina? That in the city we go after Rove and when it comes to the visitors, we don't go after Rove. Well, well, we're saying, wait a minute, it should be the opposite. When it comes to the visitors, where we go, right, called the parish, midaruba parish, and we go with fluid and mobile, we should be going after Rove. And in the city, we should be saying, and therefore not going after the Rove because we're right on the, right, right on the borderline, and therefore we should be machmir. Says the Gemara, hi, honey, naidi, right, those of the visitors are fluid, honey, kvi, vikaimi. And the city is considered uh, fixed. Oh, so that can't be what it means. Can't be what Rav Hanina meant. Rather, right? Oh, so that's the source of this double rove. 
It must be, when Baruch Hanina said that, what he meant was that the only time we'll go, go by Rov Ha'ir is when you have an influx of visitors. Ah, and then you can go with Rov. It is an additional level of Chiddush, Dave, because what we're saying now is we're allowing statistically to mix these two statistical methods and superimpose them on each other. In other words, we're allowing this influx of fluid Rov to, to uh, affect the Kol Kabur Mechza of the city. You see how this could take months, Barry? Right, but we're allowing this fluid rov to impact the Mechza Mechza. We're not just going to go based on the rov ear. After all, if it would just be the ear without any visitors, we would go Kamechza Mechza, right? But amazingly also, we're not going to go on the majority of the visiting group either. Why? Because the visitors are also considered Kavuas for some reason. That's what Rashi says. Says Rashi. He says it the other way, that, that the problem is that when it comes to the actual visitors, there we typically would go, Acharov. Aha, and that's how we know that you need two robes. Because after all, the city doesn't even have a robe. The city is considered Mechza al Mechza, right? So it has exactly 50 50. That's not a robe, that's 50 50. The influx of visitors, those visitors do have a robe. So that's why Rashi so succinctly is telling us all of this lumdus in a few words. What he's telling us is as follows, that the robe, that the city doesn't even have a robe. The visitors do have a robe, but even that robe in itself is not enough. That robe is not enough because we're not going to go after just one robe. And that is the source of the fact, the fact that we need the robe of the visitors superimposed on the mechza, mechza, Suffolk of the city to create a double rove and only then would Rabbi Yeshua be Mekel, that is how we know that we use this, uh, on this additional statistical method of the double rove to be Mekel. Wow. Now the Gemara is going to say, what is the mechanism? My time, my, why do we not follow uh, one rove? Why do we need two? Because even though we hold a rove when it comes to the visitors, the mobile visitors, we don't want in a situation where there is a suffix of the city to create a case of confusion. And therefore, it's not really that we're putting them together statistically. It's simply xera one unto the other. Meaning, whereas normally when there would only be, let's say, visitors, we could go by rove. Here, we need to be a rove of the visitors and the rove of the city because otherwise we would think that we can go by the rove of the city also when the reality is in the city there's a mechza mechza and therefore, we just make a xer on both of them. That both of them need to be there simultaneously in order to be mekil. Fine. Now, says the Gemara, Varov ha'ir nami. But even when the case, right, where the only consideration is the rove of the ear, right, Unbelievable. So now we're getting a little bit more into defining mobile and fix, and I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole with you, but we are going to just explain on the surface what it means. In other words, what the Gemara here is saying is, when the man left his home, that's how far we take this mobile versus fixed, guys. If the man left his home and went to the woman, and he, let's say, got her in the well, even though he's a member of the city, we're defining him as mobile, and then we will go bus or rove. It is only, right, because called the parish, miruba parish. Wow, we have the actual Gemara saying those words black on white, because that called the parish, miruba parish means that when you're talking about departing, departing means when you're coming out of like this mobile fluid thing, then we do go by 
statistical rove. And the Gemara says, Lo, So all of this that we've discussed is only in a case where she goes to the man. Why? The Havale Kavua. Because then the man is considered fixed in the city. Aha. The Amarabi Zera, and here's the other side of it in black and white, Kol Kavua, Kemechza Mechza, Dami. So it's amazing, amazing that we follow this mobile versus fixed Vart so literally that it depends, right? And again, I, 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 I can't, every time it's going to seem weird, I'm going to repeat that the statistics is all how you massage the numbers. And so this is our methodology. How we define this man as fixed and mobile goes so far that if the cohabitation takes place in his house, it's fixed, and it's mechzal mechzal, considered 50-50, and it'll affect her status. Whereas if she gets taken by him when he's on the move, then it's considered statistical rove, and it'll go based on the rove, and that'll determine her status. So this is like a classic litmus test of rove of fixed versus uh, mobile, and the nafkamina therein. Amazing. So now the Gemara is going to say, "Are we sure that we don't follow a rove? Umi ba'inan tre ruby. Are we sure that we need two roves?" Vatanya, the classic brisa. In other words. Uh, and the Mepharshim will explain that this idea that this would apply also to all areas of, of Torah is in itself a Chiddush, but we're assuming that, that that's true. So let's go in the area of Kashrus. We don't rely on a double rove in the area of Kashrus, so why do we rely on a double rove here? That's the question. How do we know that we don't rely on a double rove in the area of Kashrus? Because this is what we say. Let's say you have 10 stores. Nine of them sell kosher meat. And the tenth, right, ten percent, one of ten is selling treif. Okay. So now you purchased meat from one of the stores, but you don't remember which one you purchased from. You don't remember. This is the classic case of teisha chanuyos. So says what we say. Sveiko aser. Right. This is a doubt. What do we mean, sveiko aser? As Rashi says, the kol dami. In other words, as we've already explained, if you don't remember which store you took it from, so the stores are fixed, okay? So if the stores are fixed, each one is 50-50. So now these 10 stores are an aggregate of 10 50-50s for one giant 50-50 proposition. That's a suffix. Nevela is an Isodoraisa, guys. So you can't just go Lakula. You have to go Lachumra. That is called a Suffolk, a classic 50-50 Suffolk, even though it's one out of 10. Because it's Kol Kavua, it's Kemechza, Mechza Dami, and therefore you have to be Machmir. But... So because so Barry wants to know if it's a daraisa, it should always be suffix daraisa lachomer, and we will see that case if we get to it. It's in today's daf, the case where echshash is enough, right, to cause you to be machmir, as Barry says, very rightfully so. But we also have the concept of row. So what we're highlighting here, you're, you're basically you're setting me up, Barry, because what you're highlighting here is that in areas of kashrus there are cases where we go at basa rov. Even when the stakes are deraisa, will go according to rove. Because, like I said, Barry, there's so much rove that's going on, even in deraisas. How do we know that Dave's Jewish? We're giving him an aliyah. How do we know that I'm Jewish? We're giving me an aliyah. There is an element. So, there's an element of rove. Now, I don't want to get into specific cases, 
right? Of how do we know that I'm a Levi, right? And we don't want to get into specific cases because every case could be a manifestation of a different, like a mechanism of chazaka and rov, and it gets very evolved. But the point is that yes, the concept of rov exists, and when the concept of rov exists, you're getting into the logic underpinning of does rov mean that now that's the reality, and therefore we don't have to worry about the statistical probability. In some cases, that is the case, or, or does rov mean that it's a nihug, right? Where we may concede that it's not the reality, but we're going to act as if it is the reality. And that can have uh, implications as well. So trying to not fall into the abyss, the tahum of the lumbus here, you bring up a great point. That there, and we'll see that. We'll see manifestations of chashda raisa. But the chiddush here, and your question just highlights it, is that there are cases that despite where the chashda is raisa, we are going to have a rove. As follows. It says, uven nimtza. This is the contrary case. This is not a case where the case of Nimtza is, is dramatically different halakhically, amazingly so, right? When you don't remember which store you walked into, so each of the 10 stores is a 50-50 proposition and you have to be machmir. But amazingly, right? And, and you would have said that it was the opposite, right? The likelihood is that you went into the kosher store. Like, why would you go to the trave store if it's one out of 10? But, we, but if you find just like a rando piece of meat on the floor, then, then, then ugh, who would touch that? Who knows where that came from? But the halacha is the exact opposite. When it comes to the store and you don't remember which store you went to, you have to be machmir because of dummy. And it's a 50-50 proposition. However, if you find a piece of meat on the floor, that piece of meat is what? It's fluid. It's mobile. Not fixed. And because the piece of meat definitely was mibruba parish, right? It flew out of a fixed situation into the ether, right, out into the world, there we go, Basarov, and we allow you, Mi'ikar Hadin, to eat that piece of meat based off of the rove. Incredible, right? And that is a case where we do rely in Kashrus on a single majority. We're not looking on Ruba de Ruba. We're not looking on a double superimposed rove. Even just that one single rove of the piece of meat is enough to render it kosher with Hilchas Kashrus, and that's why it's such a classic case, Barry. The Gemara says, Maybe you're going to say that the reason why we're allowing you to have, have this piece of meat is because, after all, uh, the, the doors are open and we're having like a kashras convention and everybody's coming from all over the place. Maybe you're going to say there, you can superimpose the fact that there's a kashras convention going on and everybody's coming in bringing their own meats on top of the robe of this city and maybe it is a double robe. Shut that down by shutting the doors, and he said that this would be true, and you would rely on eating this piece of meat based off of rove, even if there was no convention at all, the gates to the city were closed, and we're only going within the confines of our city. So now the Gemara is going to say, why do we need the double rove over here, in the case of Rabbi Yeshua, and with regards to Kashrus, we only need one rove, says the Gemara, Maila also be yuchsin, that even though it's true, enachinami, you typically in, in ro, within the Halachas of Rove called the parish, midaruba parish. We would consider this woman kosher because of just the one rove, right? Um, in this particular case, we need the both roves, and we do because we make a gazera of rove to the fact that they're fixed in the city, and we make that dispensation of the gazera where we need the double rove, and the reason we need that is because when it comes to matters of yuchsin, we are especially stringent on top of the Ikar Adin, which is to say the Ikar Adin is called a parish, midaruba parish. We would go basarov, mi Ikar Adin, both in Kashrus 
and in anything else in the Torah. But when it comes to Yuchsin, we have a special Chumrah that we want for the case of preserving, right, a, uh, a lineage. We're going to demand a double rove, but that's a Gzair Darbanan. That's not the Ikaradin of rove. Okay. So now 23 lines up, Gufa. Let, let, let's dig in a little bit more into Rav Zera of the cult of, uh, Says Amar Rabbi Zera, Dami, So his statement was more robust than we thought. We're going to deal with this as we've seen lechumra, but he's also going to give us a case lekula. That, by the way, the art school points out. Last night we went to Masora Think Tank. I don't know what that thing was, but it was great. Masora and OU got together. Rabbi Howard, by the way, is a master shlita. Um, he was amazing. Anyway. That's the raya that it's medoraisa, says the art scroll. In other, right, say, in, in quoting the Mepharshim. Because after all, as Barry started to allude to, anybody could be machmir. But to say that we're going to say, kol kavok, dami, even lakula, that's how you know it's doraisa. So what's the source? Minala the Rabbi Zeirah. How does the Rabbi Zeirah know the kol kavok, dami, both lakula and lakumra? So, Elam, Mitesha Chanuyos, if you're going to say that the source is Tesha Chanuyos, Kulan Machos Besar Shchuta, Bachas Basar Nevela, and now we're just spelling out the case again, Dafyomi Gold, because it's copy paste, and therefore maybe go a little faster. So, again, they all sell kosher, and one sells treif. He bought from one of the stores, he doesn't remember which one of the stores he bought it from. Sveiko Asr, and therefore we say that that's Asr, okay? But if he just found a piece of meat on the street, he's going to go versus rove and say that it's mutter. In that case, the mechzal mechza of the teisha chanuyos creates a suffake, which we say lechumra. See, what we're searching for here is where did Rabbi Zera see that it's also lekula? So, so far, first we quote the classic case of teisha chanuyos, we see that's not lekula, that's lechumra. Okay, let's give another shot. What's another case? Now we have something else, the Shratzim. Okay. Uh, the, okay, so you have the Shratzim. The toad, by the way, is one of the Shemona Shratzim, but the frog, the Tzfardea, is not. Okay. So there's a Sharetz amongst the frogs. So mostly it's kosher. You don't know which one you touch. So we say it's a suffix and it's tame. So we're, we're treating these frogs as fixed. Okay. And therefore it's going to be Kemechza Mechza. Again, Barry, don't ask me how we determine fixed and mobile, because that's a whole sugi in itself. We'll never get out of here. So, but we're going to treat the toads as fixed. So that's hasam nami lechumra. There, it's also lechumra, right? Again, nine out of ten, we're we're tahor, and you don't remember which one you touched. We're considering these frogs as fixed, and therefore kol kavu kamechza mechza dummy. And so that be, that puts us right on the borderline. This tumas do raisa, and therefore we have to be concerned. And we go again, Lechumar. So where do we see the Ziri's uh, claim that it can also work Lakula? Let's try, finally. We're staying with the froggies. But in this particular case, nine Shratzim, so let's say nine toads, one frog, 90% chance that it is, in fact, right, Tameh, but you don't remember which one, you don't know which one you touch, bang, there it is. Because there is a unique detail when it comes to Tumah that it has, that it matters where it happened. Right? We're not going to get too deep, but here's the point. We know that Safek Tumah, if it's a real Safek, 50-50, in Rishus HaYachid, it's considered Tameh, and in Rishus HaRabim, Safek Tumah is considered Tahor. 
just so just to make it relatable, I'll say that we can right in the privacy of your own home, you can be more machmir. But when you have to right be the rabbanut, so to speak, and try to right navigate tuma and tara all over the place for the hamonam. In a case of suffake, you're going to have to be able to be makil just so people can move on with their lives. We'll say it like that. So therefore, what happens with this? If you're in Rishis Arabim, and that's where you touch, this doesn't have to do with fixed and mobile. We're assuming they're all fixed. But if all the toads are considered fixed, and this incident happened in Rishis Arabim, then we're going to consider you to heart because it's an exact 50-50. And that's where Kol Kavua Kamechza Mechzadami is Lakula. Because it's 50-50, even though it's 9 90% chance, as we would call it, that it was Tame, we're considering it a 50% chance of Tame, because the frogs and the toads are considered fixed. And it's even fixed. Amazing. So that's how we know that's Midor Raisa. So now the Gemara asks, Midor Raisa Minolan, what is the source for this Doraisa? 11 lines up from the bottom of Tetzvavah Medalaf at the hopeless time of 6, 11 a.m. We learn it from the Pasuk of when you are when a person, what does it take to give capital punishment to a guy for killing someone else? Well, there's criteria. There has to be precedent. He has to hate him, ambush him, rise up, uh, get hasra, right? Proper warning. All of this is going to be what we're going to come up in court. So when it says, that the person has to premeditate, so we say, right? It has to be a part of the premeditation it has to be that he has to um, specifically indicate who he wants to kill. So, so to speak, you have a sociopath murderer. If he's simply spraying chas v'shalom, right, uh, bullets into a crowd, he's not going to get death penalty for that. That's not, you know, that's not common law. That's just, the Torah has very specific halachas uh, uh, with regards to who gets the death penalty. This is all in Sanhedrin Ayin Tess. Okay? So, Again, Varav Lovakamalov says it has to be premeditated, which means if you kill the wrong person, you're uh, Russia, but you're not going to get death penalty. Varabanan disagree. They learn the Pasuk differently. Amri Debei Rebi Yanai, Pratla Zorik Even Lego. That it means like what I said, like you're spraying it into a crowd, right? You're throwing a stone into a crowd and you kill. What's going on there? Oh, well, you have to go with Rav Eisen. We're going we're gonna to do some non-PC Gemaras here that's going to make it sound in multiple uh, examples of where non-Jews and Jews are treated differently. But the fact of the matter is, there's no, uh, for killing a non-Jew, there, you're not going to get the death penalty. Not that you're not a Russia, but it's not like killing a Jew. And therefore, and we're going to see also with a shore and a non-Jew, sort of Eisen I mentioned, because he once spoke about this, it's based, and his answer is based on the Rambam in Hilchus Nezikin. Basically, it talks about how um, the when it comes to the non-Jews, we follow their laws, whatever their laws were then. It's only unique. What's unique is our laws of like Shor Tam and Shor Muad and Shomrim and our halachas are different for us or saving a guy versus saving a Jew on Shabbos. All of this, right, is going to be for the guy and we follow their laws, says the Rambam. For the Jews, we follow our laws. So where it looks like there's a double standard, like who cares about saving a guy on Shabbos or who cares about whether you killed a guy? It's not exactly like that, but it sounds like that. So I'm just telling you in advance that the idea is that we follow their laws for them, but our laws for us. Be that as it may, the idea here is as follows. If there's a mixed crowd of, right, Jews and non-Jews, so because of the suffix that you, that, uh, because of the suffix of who you're killing in there, depending who got killed, you may or may not be chayev uh, for murder, 
that's why we're not going to put you to death because of the suffix, whether there's Jews or not in the crowd. That's what it means. It says, Parat Lazaric Evan Lego. So, Hechi Dami. Now we're going to explain the case. We're going to bring it back to Rov. Because after all, this is how we're determining a Pasuk Raisa. See if you're going to say that most of the crowd, it was a Gaish music concert. So, most of the crowd was not Jewish. So, so then, just say there's a classic Rov. Again, we're looking for a source for that we could even say that Lakula Doraisa. So there we're going to say, that's not a Kula, it's, it's a rove. Okay. So what if you're going to say, let's say it's not it is It's exactly half Goyim, half Jews in this concert where you threw the rock in. So Suffolk Nefashos so there it's going to be Suffolk Nefashos Lahakel in the sense that we're not going to give you a death penalty because in the case of 50-50, we always go to save the guy. So it's not really an expression of rov or mechza mechza. It's simply the, an expression of when it's 50-50, we give you the benefit of the doubt, we don't kill you. So what's the case? Says the Gemara, Amazing. That we're going to define these, this crowd in the concert as being a fixed crowd. And therefore, it was a Yishai Rebo concert, Rahman al where everybody was Jewish, but there were some non-Jews in the crowd. And somebody threw a stone into the crowd. We're not going to give them the death penalty. Why? Because it's Kemechzal Mechza. Had it been Rove, we would give them the death penalty. But it's Kemechzal Mechza, and that is the biblical source of Kol Kavua, Kemechzal Mechza Dummy. Amazing. Do you think there's more, Ian, perhaps, to delve into this? I dare say there is. But at least on the surface, we understand what they're saying, right? That's considered mechza mechza, even though it's Rov Yisraelim, where he would be getting capital punishment, he's not getting it because we're considering everybody as a fixed, and therefore it's a kavua, and therefore it's mechza mechza, and it's 50-50, and we're going to be mekil and not kill him. Three lines up from the bottom, Tesvav Adolf Itmar. Rav Barashi the Dalachas are in our Mishnah, right, who told us that the girl who's violated by the well is fit. So no. Ravchan Barav said no. That was a special ruling. The Lacha isn't really like him. But Ladoros, as Rashi points out in the last line in Tesvav we're going to need two robes. So Didn't we already say that for Yuxin we had a Takana that we need Trey Rube? So now we're going to say Vahatnan. We have a Mishnah where in Machshirin, as we turn to Tesvav Beis, and we see the finish line of the parak. Let's say you found an abandoned child. You found him in Harlem. You assume that he's not Jewish. Harlem today. You found him in Yerushalayim. You assume he's a Jew. What if it's half and half? You consider him a Jew. Baltimore. The Amarav, so wait a minute, it's a Jew, it's half and half. So, why? Well, depends for what. If it means to save his life, and again, right, so we're not going to get into why you save the life of only a Jew, but we already explained it within the Rambam, right? So, if it means to save, so again, if it means to save his life, so then, as we're going to see, you save everyone's life, we're going to see. But it doesn't mean to save its life. As Rashi explains, the last wide line, Bezin Mitsuvin Lefarnaso. It means to support him, right? You find a child like in a dumpster. So you have an obligation to support him if he's Jewish, not otherwise, right? Because we are, after all, right, there's a pasuk, we're all responsible for each other. A, per, a beautiful idea. 
So we're all responsible, Jews are responsible for each other. So if there's a 50-50 chance he's a Jew, you're responsible for him, the community will support him. But for his shidduch resume, it's not going to really help him. Okay, so that seems to say, right, that, it, that for the yuchsin you need a double rove. And then in that brisa, or in that Mishnah rather, in Machshirin, Shmuel added that also to save him on Shabbos from an avalanche, we're going to do that as well. Because on the, on the um, side that he's probably, that he's possibly, I should say, a Jew. So now let's, let's uh, analyze this. Right? Rabbi Yirmiya forgot, the Gemara is going to say, what Rabbi Yudah Marav said about this. Because Rabbi Yudah Marav had already said, In other words, this whole kasha was about yuchsin. Well, Rabbi Yudah Marav had already said previously that we were talking about Kronos Shel Sipori, if you remember, that there was a double rove. So the whole question of, oh, don't we need a double rove by yuchsin? It was just because he forgot that we already said that we do need a double rove by yuchsin and that we're talking about a case where there's visitors. Okay, so of course, we already know. Again, the Mishnah Machshirin tells you what? That to save his life, you can assume, as Barry would say, that it's always going to be, we're going to save him on the possibility that he's Jewish. To, to consider him, to support him, we're going to go with Kol Kavuel Mechza Mechza, and we're going to support him. When it comes to Yuchsin, low. And of course that's true, because we already said that that's the case. That for Yuchsin, we're extra machmen, we need a double row. Ah, well, Rav Chanan Baravad Amar Haraz Sha'isa Kasher Ha. Yeah, but guess what? We said, the Chanan Baravi said that not that double yuchsin, but that was a special halacha for then, right? But that typically we don't need it. So that is kasha, right? Why did Rav say that, that we, but with regard to pure lineage, we don't say that a single rove is enough. So we say, man de masniha, lo masniha. We have, the only way to get out of it is to say that the two halachas were actually taught, the, the Mishnah Machshirin represents an exception and we don't learn the other State of Rav. In other words, we don't. Not, it's not the same right source for the two uh, for the two halachas because they are in fact contradictory. But let's go back to this uh, child that we find in the forest. Gufa matzabatino kamoshloch. You find Tarzan. So imrov ovde kachavim ovde kachavim. Rav Yisrael mechzal mechzal Yisrael. Right. So we said if most of the people that are ovde kachavim, we treat them like an ovde kachavim for all effect. But if 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 it's a Jewish area or mechzal mechzal, we treat him as a Jew. So I'm a Rav. So wait a minute. For Yuchsin, we know that that's not the case. So what, what does it mean? Rov of the Kachavim, of the Kachavim. Rov Yisrael, Yisrael. Mechzah, Mechzah, Yisrael. What's the case of Mechzah, Mechzah? To what respect do we treat the half and half kid found in Baltimore as a Jew? Amarav, lo shanu el That's to keep him alive and to support him. As we said. And then we're just quoting the Mishnah in Machshirin now, where Shmuel said, right, but what does this mean? Umiyamar Shmuel hachi? Did Shmuel really say that we treat him as a Jew to, to, in order to save him? After all, we already have Shmuel quarters saying what? There's Barry's dispensation. There's cases where any chashash you're going to save. Pikuach nefesh, you don't need a rove. If there's even a 1%, the, 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 you know, right, the building falls down and we know that there may be one Jew in there. We go and save everybody. So we don't go bus a rove. So what did Shmuel say when he said, that's what the means. A building fell down and on Shabbos we're going to go and save these people. So what does he mean? What does it have to do with Says the Gemara. No. Shmuel is referring to the beginning of the Mishnah. When it comes to a city where it's 
a building falls in Harlem, Amr Shmuel, Ufakech Alav Zagal, Ein That's all that Shmuel meant in that Mishnah Machshirin. And now, when you learn the Mishnahis and Machshirin, you're, you're like the Masorah publications, Mishnah Yomi, we're gonna, you're gonna know that the reason, what, what does Shmuel mean in that Mishnah? He means that even in Harlem, a building falls down, you fa- save everyone. Again, you wouldn't have to if you knew for sure that they're all non-Jewish. Let's not get into that. But just if there's a chance that there's a Jew in there, then you still go and on Shabbos you clear it out. So now, just to finish off, if, if we said that if Rov Ovid Kachavim, then we treat him like an Ovid Kachavim. Treat him like like in what way? He could eat a Mickey D's, okay? To, to feed him treif. What's the Because there's another PC example. When it comes to Shavas Aveda, there's only Chiv of Shavas Aveda for a Jew. Because again, like the Rambam says in Niske Mamon, Perik 8, Halacha Hey, that they don't have this concept of a Shavas Aveda. So we're not treating them better than they're treating themselves. Okay. Mechza al Mechza Yisrael, Lemai Hilchasa, what is the Nafkamina there? Amarish Lakish. Lenizakin. This is referring to Nizakin. What's going on? So Rashi quotes, he tells you like a whole sla, sla, um, section of Babakama in like a certain, in a couple of sentences. What happens in Babakama Lamed Zayin? The following. For, for a Jew, right, there's a shore muad and a shore tam, right? A shore tam who is in, right, an amateur shore who hasn't gored too much, he pays chatzin nezek. If he's a, a muad, Right, habitual gorer, so then he pays Nezek Shalom. That's only within Judaism. But if a non-Jew's shore, again, not PC, uh, he doesn't get paid at all because they don't have this concept of one person's car hitting another person's car. They don't have uh, the concept of their possessions harming each other. So therefore, they don't pay each other for that. So we don't pay them for that, whereas Jews do, and for Jews it's Nezek Shalom. So tomorrow, hey, we're going to discuss, hey, to I'm just going to read the words, and tomorrow we'll start with just explaining what this meant. So tomorrow, and in fact, really, because this last case, we'll spend the first few minutes of tomorrow, right, explaining before we move on to the next parak, the parak, the parak, in Masechas Ksubis Bezrat Hashem.